Welcome to Real Faith. This is Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and we're super excited to have you along today. How are you going? I uh, I am super stoked on the fact that outside, at least where I am, it's sunny today. I always like sunny days. There's just a, such a beautiful thing. Even if you're sunburned, I reckon sunny days are still good because you can put on, you know, some you can put on some cool towels or something on your neck. I don't know. Just find some shade. But sun is good anyway. I like the sunshine. So hope you're having a great day out there. And uh, we're super excited about the show today. It's going to be a great show. We are continuing our series through Exodus. And we're going to be following the story and following into Exodus chapter 3 today, talking about Moses. And uh, before we get any further today, I wanted to just plug heavily that we've got our question of the week portion coming up at the end of the show today. And the first person to call in today is going to receive a free giveaway. And I'll be telling you throughout the show what that's going to be. So hang on for that. And uh, also, we've got our discussion question coming up today. And our discussion question today is super interesting, could be controversial to some people, but I'm curious to know your thoughts. And I hope you're ready for it. This is the question. The question for our discussion topic today is, what does it mean to be equally or unequally yoked? Is it okay to, quote, flirt to convert, unquote? And uh, is it really a bad thing to date someone that believes differently to you if they are still a Christian? So this is our topic of discussion for today. We'd love to hear your thoughts, whatever they are. And uh, throughout throughout the show, we'll be hearing from you. And um, we'll be sharing some of my own thoughts on that later on in the show, if you're curious to know. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So if you want to call in for, the, for that or the question of the week, any question will do. You can call in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 0491-064-669. We're also going to be hearing from our good friend Di Howard in our Testify segment and going to be hearing some interesting fun facts about fire. So stick around. We'd love to have you here. And uh, this next song is called The Old Rugged Cross by Paul Brandt. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my truth and last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown To the old rugged cross 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, just before we go any further, i got to do another shameless plug, because otherwise I'll forget, and I've just been forgetting these things all the time. So make sure that you uh, get your questions to us for Question of the Week, and you can be in the running. The first caller in today is going to receive a free giveaway. We're going to tell you a little bit more about that later. And uh, you can send those questions into 1-800-324-843 or text us at 0491-064-669. And you can also get in on our discussion question, which will be coming up after the news. We're going to start discussing that. And our question today is, is it okay to flirt to convert? What does it mean to be equally yoked or unequally yoked? And is it really a bad thing to date somebody that believes differently than you? What if they're still a Christian, but you have massive differences in belief? So we're going to talk about that. So if you'd like to get your two cents in on that, you can call or text in or get your questions to us for Question of the Week, and we'd love to hear from you. But hey, Shell, I'm pretty sure it's time for some weird and wonderful facts about the world. What's so weird and wonderful this week? Ooh, I am excited because we're talking about something that I quite like, and um, that is fire. <laughs> You, you, you gave me a really don't, funny don't look say, there. Don't say that so loud. No? You don't like fire? <laughs> no, it's just when you say fire so loud in a building, people, oh. <laughs> people run. <laughs> yeah, I guess i got to be careful. It's kind of like saying bomb on an airplane. You just, you <laughs> yeah. just really don't want to do it. It's a bad idea. Well, you kind of you feel like you want to do it, but it's a bad idea to say it, you know? <laughs> and by, by, by do it, I mean say it, not bring something on the airplane. But anyway, we're talking about fire today, and uh, fire is quite a powerful powerful source of things in the world, but today we're talking about some fun facts about fire. Uh, I grew up going camping, and I also just, I just love fires. I love sitting around the fire. I love the smell of smoke on my clothing. It's not camping unless you can get out and have a fire, it feels like. So I'm, I'm all about that. So I thought we'd share some fun facts about fire, especially because we're talking about Moses and a bit of a bush that catches on fire 
Anyway, we'll be talking about that later. So we're going to be talking about that stuff. So did you know what are the three ingredients that are necessary for fire to exist? Can you take a guess? Oxygen. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. You got like two seconds. You got you to answer quick. Heat. That's right. And there's one more. I'm sort of, I don't know. Yeah, uh, fuel. Spark, fuel. Yeah. That's right. So you need fuel, you need oxygen, and you need heat to burn. I love it. All right. So it's a chemical reaction. It releases light and heat. But here's some more fun facts about fire. Did you know that fire can also be stopped in three ways? And that can be by removing the fuel source or removing the oxygen or removing the heat. So this is why we often do uh, things like uh, smother the fire. You're getting the oxygen away from it. You're putting water on it, trying to cool it down, get the heat away from it, bring the temperature back down, or get rid of the get rid of the fuel source, pull the wood out of the fire. So this is how we get rid of fires as well. All right. Um, did you know that spontaneous combustion is a legitimate thing? Yes. Yes. So we're not talking about like people just randomly combusting. I'm walking down the street and I'm in, I'm on fire. But we're talking about things like coal. If you have things that are rotting or decomposing in an environment where they're contained and the oxygen level is building up and the heat is building up by the process of decomposition, you can actually have a source of fuel like coal or some other grain that's fermenting and that heat builds up in the middle and then eventually it gets hot enough to actually ignite ignite the fuel source, which is whatever it is that's decomposing. So this has actually happened. They've had things like grain silos catch on fire and explode, like crazy stuff. Wow. This is nuts, eh? Did yeah, you know? that's crazy. Can you imagine? So this is why a lot of the farmers who process grains, they go through a process of drying them prior to storing them so that they don't have that fermentation making that a risk. Um, some other fun facts for you about fire is, um, did you know, well, I, I, I used to work in the outdoors. So how do you make a fire? Like if you were going to be out in the woods, I, I don't mean like philosophically, I mean like practically, you've got a match. What do you need to do? How can you make some fire? Yeah. Well, you need some dry, like either twigs or paper or something That's in a right. small bits, yep. leaves, something like that. And then you need some larger logs, dry logs that will keep it going. That's right. And you got to start small and build up so that you don't mm -hmm. smother the fire. But uh, here's a fun fact for you. Here's one before the break. So if you're going out camping and you want to have some fire source with you for a bushwalk, you can pre-soak some cotton wool in Vaseline and that makes a great slow burn for a fire starter when you're out in the bush. You keep it in uh, a little film canister or some Ziploc bags so it doesn't get your stuff all yucky. This is Jimmy Needham, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not As thou hast been now forever with me Summer and winter 
for springtime and harvest. Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with whole nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, all I have needed, thy hand hath provided, great is thy Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and it's come that portion of our show where we testify about some things that God is doing in our real life today, like what's going on. So we've got our good friend, Di Howard. How are you today, Di? Oh, I'm great. Thanks, Robbie. That's excellent to hear. Now, we've had you on the show before, but uh, yes. people may not know who you are. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, dear. Uh, or is hope, that the panic question? Well, no, no, no. I was going to say, I hope that by my voice you're imagining someone, you know, who's 30 or 40, but no, not really. Just clocked over the 63 oh, at the good beginning of the week. Uh, oh, so, well, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. Happy thanks. birthday. <laughs> yeah, and my husband even remembered, so that's good. Oh, even better. Oh, even better. yeah, yeah, he gets a tick for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, life's good. So I am what I call myself a supporting wife. So, That's an important um, thing. Uh, it is. It is. Very important. So thing. I don't work outside the home, but uh, yeah, I, I, I work at home oh, in my the garden. Ex- my experience <laughs> is that anybody who is a stay-at-home mom or something of the same ilk, uh, they they have more than a full-time job. So 
Definitely. Don't <laughs> underestimate them. <laughs> and having, having a partner who's in ministry yes. also means that you're picking up a lot of extra things, I'm sure, as well on top of that. Well, that's right. He always has a little job for me that's to right. do. <laughs> but an it's an important all good. job. It's all good. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's, we're stoked to have you on today. And I'm, I'm excited to hear what you're going to share with us today. Okay. Well, they asked me for a God moment. And you know, I'm just Diane. I'm no one special. I uh, can't even tell you anything that I've done that's really extra special in my life. But, you know, and I've heard so many people give some great, wonderful God moments that they've had in their life. And I was beginning to think, oh, is there something wrong with me? But then I read something. Can I read it to you? Yeah, please. It um, just comes from a little book and it said, The world, although fallen, is not all sorrow and misery. In nature itself are messages of hope and comfort. There are flowers upon the thistles, thorns are covered with with roses. God is love is written upon every opening bud, spire of springing grass, lovely birds making the air vocal with their happy songs, the delicately tinted flowers in their perfection perfuming the air, lofty trees of the forest. They all testify to the tenderly father care of our God and his desire to make his children happy. And you know what? I realized when I read that, that I can have a God moment every day. I don't have to be someone special. I don't have to have my name written anywhere. I don't have to be rich. I can be going through so many troubles in my life, but I can have a God moment every day. And wasn't it a fantastic one that we saw last night? Oh, man. Oh, man, that, that eclipse, you know, that, that was just amazing. Just the colors and stuff like that, you know. That just said to me that God is love. Totally. He is a God who loves us. He's not the same every day. You know, it's just so many things. And so, and the text in Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. You know, doesn't matter where we are, what we're going through. God has a moment, a God moment for each and every one of us every day. And I'm so thankful that he gave us a special one last night. Yeah. And um, I have a birthday rose uh, and it's flowering at the present time. So that tells me that God is love. God is love is just like everywhere, you know. I love it. I yeah. love it. And you're quoting from, that's one of my favorite books. It's a book called Steps to Christ by that's a lady named one. Ellen White. Yes. And, um, man, I've read that. I've probably read that. It's a really short book. It is short. That's like what I like. Pages. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> but I've probably read it 10, 12 times. And yes. every time I read it, it just it's just a real blessing yeah. to me. So It is. It is. But what a great point, like. I love what you're saying there that we can all, doesn't matter if you're a theologian, That's right. you're working in ministry, you've yeah. never read the Bible, That's you've right. not, you don't know how to read, you've, you're anywhere in between. Yeah. The reality is that, that God has messages of love and hope for you that can be That's seen. Right. That's right. We can see it everywhere. And if we just take the time, even when we're feeling down, you know, we can just look around us and say, that's a God moment. He is with me. He does love me. He made me special just the way I am. doesn't matter if I'm thick, thin, tall, short. That's right. You know, gray-haired or what. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. And That's I so love beautiful. that we have a great God. You know, he has just got so many things out there that says, I love you. I uh, love you, Diane. I love you, whoever you are. He's great. I love it. So whatever you're going through out there today, whether you're having a high a high moment or or you're going through some difficult times, just right. take a moment. We want to encourage you, as as Di said, just take a moment and look around you. Look for those God moments because God is there, 
and he wants you to know and be yeah. encouraged that's right that he is with you he is for you he loves you he has plans for you yeah i pray that you'll find your god moment even just today with the rest that there is i love it this is the clark family in god's perfect time Sarah laughed in her heart at God's promise. Isaac proved nothing is impossible. Martha wept by the tomb of Lazarus. Oh, but death lost when life spoke a miracle. In God's perfect time, He's never been late His plan for your life Is worth the wait In God's perfect time You can always trust When the moment is right The answer will come In God's perfect time Between your prayers and God's answers Faith can be so hard to hold on to And with every passing day, doubt whispers Oh, but don't give up, cause God is gonna move In God's perfect time He's never been late His plan for your life Is worth the wait In God's perfect time You can always trust When the moment is right The answer will come In God's perfect time So when you haven't heard His voice Still in God's loving hand In God's perfect time He's never been late His plan for your life Is worth the wait In God's perfect time You can always trust When the moment is right Make sure you tune into the breakfast show for giveaways, deep Bible discussions, magnificent music, and noteworthy news. All that and much more every weekday morning on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
you crave great food that's good for you and for the planet, Manor Haven Cafe is an earth-friendly oasis right in the heart of Byron Bay, just across from Woolworths. The mouth-watering, 100% vegan menu will leave you and your friends satisfied and feeling great. Manor Haven's world-class curries and vegan lasagna have everybody raving. And if you mention this ad, you'll get one of our totally dairy-free desserts half price. We're open for lunch Monday to Friday at 97 Johnson Street, Byron Bay. Manor Haven Cafe. It's food for body and soul. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for someone such as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away. And it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for Christ that I have done? He suffered on a tree Amazing pity, grace unknown And I'll be listening to real faith but it's not as real as it could be why you ask because this isn't the live show so as good as this is the live show is where it's really at join us every thursday from 3 30 to 5 30 p.m so you can be involved live Jesus, I have this. 
decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me no turning back no turning Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're going to get into some discussion topics in a little bit, but before we get into that, I think we're going to jump right into our Bible study. So we're going to be turning to the book of Exodus, chapter 3, and um, oh, oh, I've changed my mind. No, Shell got off the phone with a caller, so we're able to do a discussion. So let's, let's, have, our, let's have a little bit of discussion. That. That's all right. That's a good kind of problem to have when somebody's yeah, calling that's right. in. That's, a, that's what you want. So, um, all right, discussion question is, what does it mean to be equally yoked? Is it all right to flirt to convert? And uh, I forgot the last part of the question, but you got the idea. Yes. Is it okay to, to, to date somebody who doesn't believe what you believe? What's, what have we got there? What are some of the responses? Okay, so this one's from Marilyn. She says, what do you mean by different faith? So many people use this term. Um, to me, it sounds like an exclusive term, thinking that one church is better than another kind of thing. So that was her comment. Um, we've got another one here that says, When God tells his children not to do something, it is never arbitrary. There is always a very, very good reason. God wants the best for his children. He wants us to be happy and wants to protect us from heartache, hurt, and bitterness. A yoke was an instrument of service that bound two animals together. The animals would generally need to be roughly the same height and size so that they could walk alongside each other, each pulling the load at the same speed. If you had one that was stronger 
and one weaker or one short and one tall, the load would go around in circles and you wouldn't get anywhere. When you That's choose to unite yourself with someone who does not have the same religious beliefs as you, it will, it will affect where you are going. There will always be a pull and struggle in different directions. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, it affects every area of your life. What you do, where you go, what you listen to, what you eat, what entertainment you partake in, who you associate with. Wow, this person wrote an essay. When then add, It's a good essay, but it's long. <laughs> it's almost done. Then add having children on top of that, and things get more difficult. How you raise your children, what you allow them to do, and not do. Cool. Uh, I think there's a couple of great points. First, first thing is Marilyn's question. Um, let's let's specify. There's, I think there's two things that are that are being spoken about, probably in a lot of these responses. Number one is somebody who believes in Jesus and somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. Should they be united in a relationship? Is that a wise thing for a Christian to do? Point number one. Point number two. It could also be referring to differences among people who profess to be Christians but may have some significantly different values because not all people who profess to be Christians hold the same values. Not everybody who professes to be Christian is an active Christian either. You might have somebody who's actively following Jesus and somebody who's nominally a Christian. They say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but their their faith is not a practical part of their real life. That might be considered that in the topic by some as well. So that's a great question, Marilyn. Hopefully that helps. I'm happy to hear from anybody on any of those three mm. um, or anything else that might come out of that that I didn't think of. But I love what – I don't who did who said that other thing? Leah. Leah. I think Leah made a great – a lot of great points there. But two things that I thought were really worth drawing out of that – was one that the person that you are yoked together with is somebody who if the more different you are the more challenges come and i think there's a lot of validity to that um in terms of values and beliefs and i forgot what the other one was because it was a bit long there we go yeah <laughs> awesome. yeah i think that yeah her point was uh, that um you know he's not arbitrary he, he that's the point that, that was the yeah. point so God yeah, doesn't it's for our good. God when he gives us instructions to do or to not do things it's it's never just about having a rule for the sake of having a rule there are reasons and those reasons will be realized in real life and I like that. Mm. He does it for our benefit. Oh wow that was that was a good section. We're going to um we're going to have a prayer and then we're going to get into our Bible study. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this day, and we pray that you'd fill us with your spirit as we open your word, and that you would bless and guide us in Jesus' name, amen. So we're turning to Exodus chapter 3, and by the way, if you want to get in on that discussion topic, or if you want to get in for the question of the week for the giveaway, which I'll tell you after our next break what the giveaway is, so stick around for that, you can do that by calling 1-800-324-843, that's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or text us at 491 Zero six four double six nine, and we're going to start in Exodus chapter three, and it reads from verse one like this: Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush doesn't burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, 
here I am. Oh man, there's some cool things to draw out of this. I think it's I think it's pretty amazing when you look at this story to think about like Moses was walking out in the desert, he was shepherding flocks and the desert in northern Africa, that region out towards Sinai, you know, this is this is a huge like, like northern Africa arguably it could be into Arabia. There's a bit of debate on all that, but it, this this region is hot, man. I used to live in the desert when I lived in Las Vegas in high school in the in the summer, it was like melt your shoes literally as you were walking down the, the the pavement some days it was hot and so a bush catching fire is is not you know spontaneous combustion of a plant is not necessarily the most the most surprising thing and i love what moses says there. he's like i'm gonna go check this out and see why this bush doesn't burn up in other words this thing's been burning for a long time and it's still going why isn't it finished burning? And that's what attracts his attention. And I love that the angel of the Lord, and we'll speak about that later in the study, the angel of the Lord speaks to him and he says, Moses, Moses, and he calls his name twice. And by calling his name twice, we see a pattern in Scripture where this comes up. God is, is making a specific call. When, he, when Jesus speaks resurrected to Mary, he says, Mary, Mary, when he speaks to a bunch of people in the Bible, he says this, says their name twice. He, this is... He's like, pay attention. This is big deal. God's going to speak some powerful message to you. And I love Moses' response. The very first words that he says when he sees this supernatural occurrence and his name is called by the God who knows him, his response is, here I am. This is Matt Minicus and Josie Minicus. Deliver us. Is no pharaoh on the Nile Our toil is neither mud nor brick nor sand Our ankles bear no calluses From chains yet, Lord, we're bound Imprisoned here we dwell in our Deliver us, deliver us, oh Yahweh, hear our cry, and gather us beneath your wings tonight. Our sins, they are more numerous. And all the lambs we slay, our shackles they were made with our own hands. Our toil is our atonement, and our freedom yours to give. So Yahweh, break this silence if you can. Yahweh, hear our cry and gather us beneath your wings tonight. Deliver our 
Oh Yahweh, hear our cry and gather us beneath Your wings tonight. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather you beneath my gentle wings. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, before we get back into our Bible study, just another shameless plug. If you want to get your discussion topic responses in, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on what it means to be equally yoked, and uh, whether Christians should be in dating relationships with people who don't share the same values and beliefs as them or not, and how how we should approach that. Um, also, I think it's come time for you to know what the giveaway is. So if you have a question of the week, the first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a little book called Exodus, The Great Deliverance by Ellen White. And this is a book that's going to go through the story of Moses. As Sometimes I find that you know it can be difficult to go through and read, say, four books of the Bible to kind of try and get a picture of, of Moses' journey and story and the story of the Exodus. It's a lot of information, and sometimes it helps to read something that kind of is a little bit of a commentary and kind of boils it down and talks about the theme and the story. So that's what this book talks about, kind of hones in on the story. What's going on with Moses? What's going on with this? So that you're not having to read, say, 40 chapters of Exodus to try and get the story. It's going to help connect that story through that space. So first caller in today with any question, we'll, uh, we'll get a free copy of that. So you can do that by calling 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or text us at 0491-064-669. And we're jumping back into Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 5. So Moses has responded to the angel of the Lord from the burning bush, and he says, Here I am. And in verse 5 it says, Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God." I think it's important to note something here. This this is this is a really big theological point. It doesn't have to, you know, this, it doesn't have to. If it, if it sounds theological, if that word's too too big, then don't think about that word. But simply simply put, the person who's in the bur- the burning bush, it says, is the angel of the Lord, which is a title. It's a very specific title for a very specific person, and it says he's the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord speaks to Moses and says specifically, I am the God of your father Abraham and of Moses, sorry, Isaac and of Jacob. This is huge. The angel of the Lord is claiming here to be the Lord God, to be Yahweh. So when we see this term, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, this is somebody who is claiming to be God. And what's amazing, we're going to find out, is that this title is a title that Jesus claims in John chapter 8, and we're going to look at that a little bit later. But keep that in the back of your mind. The angel of the Lord has said, I am 
God, the God that your ancestors have worshipped. And I'm also called the angel of the Lord. So keep that in the back of your mind as we come through the story. In verse 7 it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place, and are you ready for it, of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And how would you feel if you were wandering through the desert, just minding your own business, doing your job, and you see some strange thing happening, this bush is on fire, and it's not going out, and you come and you see this, and then a voice speaks to you from this burning bush, speaks to you and says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and starts telling you, hey man, there's some serious problems. He calls you by name. He names you twice, and he says, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. This is a holy place. Now, I want you to just think about that for a moment. If you're in the desert and you're walking around, and remind me, remember, the, the desert's hot enough that bushes are catching on fire. Like, this is a hot place. How are you going to feel if you're taking your shoes off? You're going to feel safe? You're going to feel like you have a, a way of escape? Right? Like, so God speaks to Moses. The angel of the Lord speaks to me. He says, take off your shoes. What God is saying here is he's saying, take off your defense mechanism. Take off the very thing that you must have in order to escape. I want you to take that off. Take away your backup plan. And this is how God speaks to Moses. He says, hey, before I tell you anything else, I want you to know that you need to take your, take, take your, your escape method and, and get rid of it. You're talking to the maker of the universe. I've announced who I am. You're standing on holy ground. Put your defenses down. I'm about to talk to you for real. And I love this. This is what God does. And then he says to him, hey, look, there's a problem. My people are enslaved in Egypt, and I've heard their cries. They're oppressed. And he says, I'm going to deliver them. But he doesn't just say, I'm going to deliver them. He says something very specific. He says, come now, you, Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh, to the king of their nation, who's in charge of oppressing them, who's of the line of descent, and perhaps the very, perhaps it could even be the same Pharaoh, but I think it's probably the next one in line. This this Pharaoh is from a line of people who tried to wipe out you and all of the, the, the baby males. <laughs> like He says, I'm going to send you that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And how would you respond in that moment? And in verse 11, Moses responds this way. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And check out God's response. God says, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So he's on the mountain of Horeb, also known as Sinai. This is super interesting, and he says, hey, look, the sign to you that it is me who has spoken to you is that when you have done this thing, you will come back to this place and you will rejoice. Much like when God spoke to Abraham, the sign will be, that I have done this thing. In his presence there is-
is joy beyond measure and that he And still be found And if you have a need I know He has every answer But you've got to reach out and claim it For you are standing on
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Did you know that 80% of Faith FM's operating budget comes from supporters like you? It takes 700 people just like you giving just a dollar a day to keep us running. Visit faithfm.com.au slash donate and partner with Faith FM today. And for just a dollar a day, together, we can reach Australia with life-changing messages of hope. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And, uh, Shell, let's, let's go through another discussion response or two to our question. Is it okay to, oh, or, or anyway, you guys know the discussion question. We're talking about equally yoked. It's hard to remember three questions in a row. <laughs> what do we have? Okay. You can be of the same denomination and not be equally yoked. We kind of talked about that before. Um, I'm not marrying someone because of their religion. However, I can't marry someone who does not have personal saving relationship with Christ. Because with our, without Christ at the center of our lives, there would always be conflict between us. We could never be truly happy because essentially we're heading in a different direction physically, mentally, spiritually, personally, etc. 
Um, she, she goes on in another comment and says, I have seen many Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists, miserable and alone trying to live up to this ideal of only marrying someone who you're equally yoked to, she means. And she says that she had a very bad experience trying to follow that advice. Yeah, so that you raise a great point there. Uh, what was the name of that person? Sandy. Sandy. Thanks, Sandy. You raise a great point. As, as a follower of Jesus, you got to realize your pool of potential mates is significantly smaller the moment that you say, I, I want to find somebody to be in a relationship with who shares my values, right? Being a, a faith in Jesus, which, by the way, a faith in Jesus does strongly inform your values. Um, I think that that's a, a great point. You're shrinking the, the, you're shrinking the playing field, so to speak, of, of how to find somebody. But you also have to recognize and realize that everybody has standards and everybody has to have standards. And so one of the challenges that we find is that sometimes we're looking around and we're trying to figure out who's, who's the right person, right? And I think one of the things that's really practical advice is, is simply, you got to figure out what your non-negotiables are, you know, and if your list of non-negotiables is like 305 things, guess what? You're staying single. <laughs> not that, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with staying single. That's okay. Not marriage is not the, the be all end all. You're all of a sudden you have everything solved and you're going to be whole and complete. Only Jesus can fill you and complete you. Everybody has needs to be met. And guess what? Your spouse can't meet all your human needs. Right, you, you need other friendships and relationships. You need family. Like there's, there, we're humans. We're built for community, not just, not just built to have, to relate with only one person ever in the world. Uh, marriage is a unique kind of relationship that's that's lifelong, etc. But I think it's a really significant point. Um, but everybody has to have standards. One thing that I think is really fascinating is this verse that this comes from, which is Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen. The context of this, while most Christians seem to use this to talk about relationships like that of a romantic nature, it's not talking about that at all. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the, I'll read it to you. So the, the context here is Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and he's talking to them about his, his connection with them. And then he says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, right? And he goes on, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? So what he's talking about here is not just relationships of romantic nature, but he's, he's talking here about, hey, we shouldn't be connected in deep connection with people who are living in ways that are contrary, living in idolatry, worshiping other ways of being, living with different value systems. He shouldn't, he, we, we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be yoked together with them, strapped to them in life, walking the same direction as them. Now, that does, of course, apply to romantic relationships as well as other relationships. But the point is that we have to have some values that are in common to be able to have healthy relationships. And so I'll share a quick story, and then we'll get back into our Bible study. For me, because I think you know, maybe, maybe this is helpful to somebody, I always thought I became a follower of Jesus personally at 17 years of age, gave my life to Jesus, and I thought, man, I just need to find somebody who loves Jesus that's cool. And so I went, I dated this lovely, lovely girl. Um, I won't say her name, but she was a lovely Christian girl. She was of a different denomination than me. And at the time I thought, that's cool. No problem. She loves Jesus. I love Jesus. And then as we dated for a little while, I, I discovered that some of the things that I valued as a Christian and some of the things that she valued as a Christian were still not the same. 
And they were some things that I would be totally unwilling to, to give up. I'm, I'm convicted to the death on some of these things from scripture, et cetera. And I thought to myself, we're, we're actually in opposition on things that are so core to my beliefs that if we had kids, this would be a source of huge tension in the home because she was studying actually to be a minister. Um, I wasn't at the time and I had to decide in that, in, in that experience from my own experience, I decided the values that are most important to me. They're, they're not lining up here. Even though we're both Christians, we hold some of the same values, but then some of the values that were most important to me, she didn't agree with and didn't hold. And I thought, man, for me personally, I decided, well, I need to be with somebody who holds that same set of values. And so for me, that kind of crossed a whole bunch of other extra people off the list. And my, my, my pool of people to search for shrunk significantly. And I had to come to the realization that I'm okay even if I don't get married because that's not the defining factor of what makes me whole as a human being. My walk with Jesus does. And if I if I keep that first and I happen to find somebody along the way who I can be equally yoked with, which I loved what was said before that, you know, going the same direction in life, holding the same values, that we we're we're, we're aiming at the same direction. We want to follow Jesus, and there's some specific things about how we're going to do that. There's some specific things that we hold as Christians within Christianity that are that are significant that we hold that are important to us in direction in life. It's going to make life a lot easier. Does that mean that if you marry somebody who doesn't hold all the same values as you exactly? By the way, we don't necessarily hold all of our values exactly the same. Um, does that mean you're going to have an easy life or a terrible? Or I forget what I said. If you don't know, you're going to have a terrible life. Not necessarily, but. I think it's a really important thing to consider when you're looking at romantic relationships. What is most important to me? And if I want to follow Jesus and hold fast to him and what I believe scripture is teaching, then perhaps some of those things I'm going to need to see and figure out what those negotiables and non-negotiables are. You know, my wife Katie is a lovely girl and I love her to bits. We do not see eye to eye on many things and there's always going to be conflict in any relationship. That's reality. I don't agree with any person on this earth on everything. There's nobody on the earth that I, I get along with 100%. Just, it's just not reality. You're never going to find that in a marriage. So figure out what things are the most important to you. Write down like the top 20 things you're looking for in a spouse, right? Biblical, spiritual things, things that are not in that. Be honest with yourself. And then when you've come through the painstaking process of narrowing it down to 20, Scratch 10 things off the list and see what you can really live with and start being really open to being open to, to being in a relationship with a real human being and realize you got to change too. Anyway, that's my like, that was supposed to be a two minute segment turned into a seven minute sermon. I hope that's helpful for someone. May God bless you in that search. We're going to jump back into our Bible study because that's what we came here to do. We're in Exodus chapter three. Oh man, preachers, what do they do? They talk too much. Come into verse 14. No, sorry, verse 13. So God has spoken to Moses, and he says, you're the guy. And he's like, who am I? And God says, I'll be with you. And the, the sign that I'll be with you is that once you've done the job, then you'll be, you'll be here. <laughs> and I love that. You kind of got to like, he's, he's saying, in order for you to find out the answer, you've got to step forward and take a risk. Isn't that a relational thing? God is inviting Moses to take a risk relationally with God to trust him so that God can prove who he is. And check this out, the response in verse 14. And God says to Moses, no, verse 13. Moses says to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What am I going to say to them? Right? Excuse number two. He's like, Who am I? Number one. Well, what am I going to tell them? Verse 14, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I love this. This is super profound. What, what he's saying here in the Hebrew is the verb to be, right? In, in other words, he's not saying, tell them, tell them I was, tell them I'm that dude who was. No, he's saying I am. Not, not the guy who will be, but like present tense always. I am. The, the, the context here is he's kind of, it's like he's saying I am existence itself. I am the all-present, all-powerful, all-knowledge, knowing God. I am the one. I am that one. And what's really super profound, just here's a fun theological nugget for some of you out there that are interested. In John chapter 8, Jesus says something. He says to this group of people that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And then they're like, hey, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus' response is this. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Not before Abraham was, I was. That would be a bold enough statement. But Jesus is making a claim there, and he's saying, that title, that name that God gave, the angel of the Lord spoke from the burning bush to Moses and said, this is the name to tell Israel, the name of God, I am. Jesus says, that's me. Jesus is saying that that angel of the Lord that was in the burning bush, that was me before I became a human being. That was me. And they then pick up stones and they're going to put him to death. They try to try to do that at that point of time, but he escapes. And it's an amazing thing that's going on here. What God is saying is this huge, profound thing. This is my name. I am the all-existent one, the one that always was, that is, that always will be. Without me, you can you cannot have breath in your lungs because I'm the one who holds you and sustains your very existence. Without me, there is nothing. And I'm speaking to you and I have a plan. This is Amy Cherry, The Great I Am. We marvel at a has-been God In our power He displayed Miracle maker, life changer, not constrained to limitations. We say he transcends time, but don't believe he's here and now. Closed in dusty history books or in the future. But God is alive today, living here and now, waiting to release His power, working in our world today. Not just a has been or a will be, but the great I am. In the will be God Working through his children There'll be signs in sky and sea People bowing on bending knee But we say he transcends time But don't believe he's here and now Closed in dusty history books or in the future. 
God is alive today, living here and now, waiting to release His power, working in our world today. Not just a has been or a will be, but the great I am, the great I am is the great I am. And God is alive today, living here and now, waiting to release His power, working in our world today. Just a has been or a will be, but the great I am, the great I am, the great I am, the great I am. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. We're going to do one more response for the discussion, and then we're going to wrap that up. Um, by the way, just remember, you can send us questions. We'd love to hear from you. It's actually my favorite part of the show is hearing from you and getting the opportunity to interact with your questions about God and spirituality, the Bible, etc. So, love to encourage you to send in a question. No question is too big or too small for us to have a look at. And the first caller in today is going to receive a free book called The Exodus, The Great Deliverance, which is going through the story of Moses and God's deliverance of the people of Israel. First person to call in is going to get that copy and that can be done by calling 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM or texting 0491-064-669. All right, what's our last discussion response to the equally yoke topic? By the way, this has been a great question. We've got lots of responses. Glad to hear from you, whether we agree or disagree. Super excited to hear from you. Okay, so this one is from Lyle. He says, I have seen so much pain from people who have married non-believers or people of different faith. Worst idea ever. I've seen both and ministered to both. Singleness for those who want to be married is sad indeed. But from what I have seen, nothing like the destruction of an unequally yoked marriage. That's a, a very strong opinion. <laughs> very cool. I think, I think that one thing that really sticks out to me there is the experience of ministering to people who are going through relational breakdown, which is, you know, it's a high risk Relationships are high risk. That's just reality. But I think you set yourself up better for success if you if you put yourself in a position where you are in a relationship with somebody whose values you share, whose core values you share. And I think that as a as a follower of Jesus, it's crucial to be really considerate of that. Um, what things are most important to you in your faith, because you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. And the reality is. Everybody wants peace in their home. And so whoever's the least stubborn, the least strong-willed, whoever wants peace more is going to be the person who's going to tend to give up on their end, um, whatever that is in terms of whether that's the person who believes in Jesus, the person who doesn't. Um, that's going to be the person who's probably going to be the loser in the situation. And um, that's not what you really want, is it? So relationships aren't easy, but I want to encourage you that if you are out there and you're single and you're looking for a partner and you're a follower of Jesus, to, to really trust in God and put him at the center um, and truly, really try to find somebody who does share those Christian values with you before you enter into a relationship. And remember, by the way, 
the whole flirt to convert thing is just probably a bad idea. <laughs> if they're if they're not there before you get married, chances of them getting there after you're married are much less likely. <laughs> anyway, thank you for your your thoughts on those discussion topics. Um, oh, I had a thought too. By the way, it's just oh, there's so much. There's so little time. Anyway, it's interesting to note that the first that the fall of mankind involved, at least on Adam's part of the fall, choosing the woman over choosing his God. And I think that that's telling for us on this topic. Anyway, we look forward to hearing your thoughts on our discussion topic for next week. Let's get back into the Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 3, and the discussion between God and Moses continues. And God says in verse 15, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord your God, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. I love that. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. It's a bit of a mouthful, that one. But I love this. God goes on and explains to Moses these things. And something that just really sticks out to me that I think is crucial to remember is that it's. he says, I have seen. Whatever the difficulties are that we go through in life, God says, I have seen. I have seen the struggle. I have seen the oppression that you have experienced. And there is there was a time here where they they were undergoing that persecution. They were undergoing that suffering. And it went on for what seemed like too long to them. But God says, I saw. I saw. And I have a plan. And I am coming to rescue you. And I love this because... This is not just a promise that God makes to the children of Israel. This is a promise that God makes to all of humanity who is willing to respond to him, to all of his children who choose him. He says, I've seen it. I've seen your struggle. I've seen your plight, and I'm coming to rescue you. And that rescue is is going to come in part now in your life, but it's going to come fully at the second coming of Jesus when he comes and puts an end to this suffering and when he sets us free from the bondage to sin and to slavery. <clears throat> That's when our redemption will be fully realized. And I love this picture that God has given to us, that he's coming. He's going to make that that situation okay. He's going to deal with the problems. And I love as we continue on, it says that then Moses answered and he said, but, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. And I love what's going on here, and I, and I highlight this because we're running out of time, and I don't want to jump too far ahead. But what's really fascinating to me out of this is that Moses is in a position where the God of the universe is speaking to him. And much like me, much like you, 
that's an intimidating experience. He's totally vulnerable. He's totally exposed. God already knows. He's telling him things. He knows his name. And he's asking him to do something that is beyond his ability, beyond his power. And yet God is willing to to negotiate, to talk, to talk it through with Moses. There's room for questions in discussion with God. There's room for the back and forth of conversation. Talk in the language of Canaan. I could tell a little of the glory of a better world. Oh, that I could talk in the language of Canaan. the glory of a better world where there is no night and the lamb is the light where no teardrops fall oh heaven not like here at all No, 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 no Oh, that I could talk In the language of Canaan I could tell a little of the glory mm, Of a better word The wonderful things the Lord showed me of heaven, I cannot describe. I saw there tables of stone in which the names of the multitude of the redeemed were engraved in letters of gold. After we beheld the glory of the temple, we went out and Jesus left us and went into the city. Soon we heard his lovely voice again saying, Come, my people, you have come out of great tribulation and done my will, suffered for me. Come in to supper, for I myself will serve you. We shouted, Alleluia, glory, and entered into the city. And I saw a table of pure silver. It was many miles in length. Yet our eyes could extend over it. I saw the fruit of the tree of life, the manna, almonds, figs, pomegranates, grapes, and many other kinds of fruit. Then Jesus said, You must go back to earth again and relate to others what I have revealed to you. Then an angel bore me gently down to this dark world. Sometimes I think I can stay here no longer. All things of earth look so dreary. I feel very lonely here. 
For I have seen a better land. Oh, four wings like a dove, so that I could fly away. I'd sail across the river Jordan to a better place where there's sweet repose and the living water flows and I'll thirst no more oh heaven I long to reach your shore Oh, that I could talk In the language of Canaan I could tell a little of the glory Of a better world could tell a little of the glory mm, of a better world, of a better world, of a better Do you enjoy listening to Faith FM? We'd love to hear your story. Let us know on our website at faithfm.com.au or email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au and let's connect today. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. We read and heard a story from the blessed old book, how the walls of Jericho, the people marched around, and when the trumpet sounded, how the mighty walls shook, walls around the city came a-tumbling down, the Lord delivered Daniel from the hungry lion's den, he rolled the waters back before old Moses and his men, he led the people out of Egypt's bondage and its sin, the Lord, he calmed the ocean and the mighty winds that blew, he saved the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace too, he rose up from the grave just like the prophet said he do. Never will forsake us, matter not what may come. Safely he will lead his faithful children on home. The Lord's a brother Jonah gonna in of a land, but he disobeyed the Lord by hiding away. Then Jonah got converted to obey the command. From the well the Lord delivered him on that day The Lord delivered Daniel from the hungry lion's den He rolled the waters back before old Moses and his men He led the people out of Egypt's bondage and its sin The Lord, he calmed the ocean and the mighty winds that blew He saved the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace too He rose up from the grave just like the prophet said he'd do Never will forsake us, matter not what may come Safely he will lead his faithful children on home. The Lord has raised the dead and caused the blinded to see. Cleanse the leper spots and turn the water to wine. The Lord's the same today and now forever will be. 
There's no other power like the Savior divine. The Lord delivered Daniel from the hungry lion's sin. He rolled the waters back before old Moses and his men. He led the people out of Egypt's bondage and its sin. The Lord, he calmed the ocean and the mighty winds that blew. He saved the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace too. He rose up from the grave just like the prophet said he'd do. Never will forsake us, matter not what may come. Safely he will lead his faithful children on home. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And hey, Shell, I'm wondering, what time is it? Oh, question of the week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so it's time for a question of the week. And I think we've got a couple of questions. So thanks for calling in. Super excited to have a look at your questions. Okay, so this is one that came through on Facebook from Bruce. Why do your presenters constantly refer to only the fourth commandment and neglect the other nine? Are they not all of equal importance? That's part one of the question. And then part two is, why do your presenters refer to only half of the fourth commandment and neglect the other half? I never hear reference to the commandment, six days you shall labor. In other words, that Christians, to be truly obedient, must be actively engaged in productive work six days a week. Awesome. So for, for those that may not be familiar with what the fourth commandment is, the fourth commandment is recorded in Exodus chapter 28 through 11. It's also recorded a second time with a, with a different reason behind it. Um, the command is the same, but the reason for it that's given for it is different in Deuteronomy uh, 5, 15, 12 through 15, I think it is. Um, I'm going to read the Exodus version here so everybody's on the same page. Um, so that was Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, the, the commandment reads, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For, or because, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So the fourth commandment is the Sabbath commandment. And... Um, great question. So the first thing I would say is, and I'm just looking at my time because I've got to manage this because I think we've got a second question in there as well. <clears throat> I can't speak on the behalf of all the other presenters, but I don't think I've talked that much about the Sabbath personally on, on this show, but um, I do believe in the Sabbath. Um, but when people talk about the Sabbath and, and Ad, Seventh-day Adventists are well known for speaking about the Sabbath, one of the reasons that it is spoken about so much is that among Christian circles, the Sabbath is perhaps the the one of the ten, the single most discarded of the Ten Commandments, I would say. It's the one that's least talked about generally. It's the one that's the most forgotten, which is just interesting to note. So that's one of the reasons that I think it comes up is because it's it's the one that probably doesn't get much coverage in many other circles in the world at all. So that's one of the reasons that it's talked about a lot. And I, I think most Christians would be in agreement on on probably most of the other Ten Commandments. There is some debate about interpretation of some of those things, but that that's, a, I think, a reality across most of Christianity. You raise a great point. What? Why is there an emphasis on this over the other commandments? Aren't they all equally important? And I think, yes, all of the Ten Commandments are equally important. They're all necessary. The first four deal, arguably the first five, deal with our relationship to God. And the last five, or arguably six, um, go <clears throat> deal with our relation to humanity. And the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment, is a part of our connection to God in that first part, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. But I think you raise a great point um, Oh, sorry. So I'm, I'm, I've got too many thoughts at once. The, the the other thing I would say, no, I'll come to that later. <laughs> the, the 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 second part of your question that I think is really really astute is that sometimes 
there's a lack of emphasis on the working for six days. And some, you know, it's really interesting. Historically, in the Roman period, in the early centuries of the early Christian church, they actually called people who kept the Sabbath Judaizers and lazy. And they said, you want a day off. You want a day to worship your God and to not do anything. These people are lazy. And they would try and get them to do things all the days of the week. Isn't that interesting? Um, So, and and even once Constantine brings in Sunday worship and and an altering of, of Sabbath observance in the Roman Empire and makes Christianity a legal religion, it's very interesting to note that as that process takes place, they, the the way that 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 even the keeping of Sunday over Sabbath was kept was not in the same spirit, which is very interesting. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice at the moment, but it's very interesting, and I just think it's interesting to note Second Peter one verse twelve. Peter talks about something, and he he says this this term that I think is relevant to this question, and then I'm going to quickly wrap that up. Sorry, if you'd like more information, just just text back in, and I can send some more information if you like. Um, 2 Peter 1, verse 12, Peter says something I think, I think is, is interesting on this. He says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. And what is this idea of present truth? And I think what's interesting is there are times, like all, of, all truth matters, but there are times when certain truths are more neglected or forgotten and need to be emphasized. And so one of the reasons that perhaps people emphasize the Sabbath, and by the way, other people may be emphasizing other things, is that they believe that those things are neglected at the moment and are presently a truth that should be brought into the open and into, into people's attention. So I think that's one of the reasons that it often comes up. Um, so hopefully that's helpful to you. I think it's interesting on the topic of present truth that, for example, in the, the Lutherans um, had certain things that they were bringing forth that were very present at the time. Righteousness by faith is this huge thing that was being spoken of by Luther um, coming away from error, but there was also errors that Luther was still in support of. The Anabaptists, for example, brought baptism by immersion back into the Protestant movement, and they were persecuted for it, in fact, by Lutherans. Um, And then there were others, the Puritans brought in other things that had been left out. And so this whole Protestant Reformation over the centuries is, is bringing back things that had been forgotten um, through through the dark ages and bringing people back further and further into scriptural truth. So hopefully that's helpful to you, Bruce. Thank you for your question. What's our second question? We've got a little bit of time. I'd love to devote a bit more time to it. This one comes from Margie. It says, would it be a good idea to go into business with someone that doesn't have the same beliefs as you? Great question. I think um, I'm going to give a short answer to that. Margie, thanks for your question. So 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, again, I think applies broadly. It says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Now, we can be really strict on that and take it too far and and misapply that text by saying that we should never work with anybody who's not of the same um, spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs or persuasions as we are, we could say all sorts of things, but that's clearly not true. Like we have people like Daniel, for example, who were taken to Babylon and lived in that space, were faithful to God and were a witness. Um, when it comes to starting a business, that's a huge, highly stressful, very involved relationship. And what I would say is some people may profess to be Christians and not hold those, those biblical values. I think when you're going to business with someone, you want to know that the values that you uphold morally, the the character, the authenticity, the integrity of both parties 
are is plain is well known there's good reason to have trust and to develop and development to go into that space and i think that and by the way i'm no businessman so i'm not speaking as an expert on this topic but in applying this verse i think i think one thing that is is really relevant is anytime you go into business with somebody you're you're putting money on the line you're putting your life on the line in a sense you you know your your livelihood i should say on the line and you should be considerate of what contractual things you agree upon and your your decided vision values as a company what you will do what you won't do and raise things in that discussion that are particularly relevant that you think might come up as problems so hopefully that's helpful to you and uh yeah this is carly fletcher come and worship Worship the Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. For He is the one who created all things and calls us to rest from our labor. Each Sabbath He calls us aside. To come rest in Him and abide It's time to come back to our Maker To remember our God and Creator Come worship the Lord who made heaven and earth The sea and the springs of water The Lord who created us all And calls us His sons and His daughters For He is the one who became one of us To die in our place for our sin Each Sabbath He calls us aside in Him and abide It's time to come back to our Maker To remember our God and our Savior Come worship the Lord who created us all And calls us His sons and His daughters
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and I just want to uh, thank you, our callers in for a question of the week, and uh, that book will get sent out to you soon. Super cool. So we've come to the end of Exodus chapter 3, <coughs> and at the end of Exodus chapter 3, we're actually only partway through the story, and we don't have enough time to get through the rest of the story. So we're going to take a part two to finishing that off, and we're going to finish off well, because it's actually the next chapter, Exodus four. We're going to get into next week, but the uh, it's it's halfway through the story. So you know, just got to remember those chapter divisions weren't there in the beginning. Sorry, I just had to get a drink of water. <laughs> and um, what can we draw out of this story? Man, there are so many things even in this little story, and it's amazing to me how much can be drawn out of these stories that are super applicable to real life. Things that we can draw out. Before we go into that, I want to just highlight something that I think is incredibly useful to know. In Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is preaching to a group of uh, Jewish people and uh, just before he's martyred, it's really interesting that he, he speaks about the, the story of Israel and he speaks about Moses. In <clears throat> Acts chapter 7 verse 23, It says, now when he was 40 years old, that is Moses, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And then it talks about how he he fled to Midian, right? And just want to highlight something here. Moses was 40 years raised in Egypt, and he would have been trained, again, as as a person who was being prepared for royal duties. He may not have been being prepared to be Pharaoh, but he would have been being prepared to be a military leader, a leader in politics. He would have gone through all of that training, and it's evident that he was trained as a soldier because of the things that he's, he's doing in that very story. He's able to take somebody out in, in physical violence in that very quickly it seems to be no issue. He takes out those seven guys at the well, etc. So he was well trained in the Egyptian ways. When you come down to verse 30, it says, And when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. <clears throat> and I think it's just really powerful to note. It took Moses 40 years in the wilderness to unlearn the things that he had learned, and it's after 40 years. You know, 40 years is a long time. You know, sometimes we read stories in the Bible, and we, because the stories are, are so truncated and shortened, we think, man, what would it be like to be Abraham? And God spoke to him and spoke to him and spoke to him, and, and, and then we forget that there was like like 10, 15 years between that story and the next story, and it doesn't tell us that God spoke to him at all in between. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But in this time, it says Moses has spent 40 years, and it's after 40 years of looking after sheep, being a dad, living and doing hard manual physical labor, that God sees him fit to come and have this conversation with. Moses thought he was fit to do God's bidding, at the beginning of the story, but he wasn't ready. 
And so I think it's just really, I think something that we can take out of this is that God isn't done with you just because you make mistakes. Just because you have failed in the past, as we all have failed, doesn't mean that God cannot use you. We need to be open to learning what God wants to teach us so that we can be used by him in the future. God has plans for us. God has big plans, bigger plans than you could ask or think or imagine, and he can do those for you. And what do we need to focus on in the meantime? We need to focus on doing the best we can with what we have where we are. Come to Jesus, trust in him with all of those things, and let him reveal his His plan and how he wants you to do it at the right time. And notice, this time he comes to Moses and he's like, hey, you're my guy. And this time, instead of being gung-ho and going out there, he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk. And all of his self-ego is gone. And you know, the amazing thing is, that's what needed to go. Moses' ego and him thinking he knew the right way and to take it by force and to do all these things his way, by his power, by the Egyptian means and Egyptian methods, that was the problem. And so God has humbled him, and he's ready for that work. I love also in this story that God is patient and can be conversed with. There are times where God is calling us to do things or he's He's leading us in ways that we're not sure of what what to do. And there are times where we have big questions, we have big concerns. And notice that in this story, God is not shutting him down and saying, oh, no questions to be asked. God is willing to converse, to get down on Moses' level. God doesn't have to do that. He's the maker of the universe. But he's willing to do that for the child that he loves to whom he has called for this purpose. And I want you to remember that as you go throughout your week, as you go throughout your month, God is able to be spoken with. In Isaiah 1, verse 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together. Right? God is willing to converse with you. He's, re- he's willing to have a conversation with you. But notice before that conversation could start, he said, Moses, Moses. He says, Here I am. The conversation begins. He says, Take off your sandals. Those defenses that you've got up that keep you all safe and secure. If you really want God to do his work and his plan in your life, it's going to require vulnerability. You kind of got to give up your ways of escape, your talismans, so to speak, your idols, your things that you cling to for security. He says, let those go. You got to put those aside. Come here, be vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable before God, he's got big things that he can do. I also love in this story that Jesus is present throughout all of the human history, right? Jesus is present at creation, John tells us. Jesus is present speaking to Moses. He's the one. He's the one who's interacting with God's people all throughout human history prior even to the incarnation. It's Jesus who's interacting. So we can see Jesus everywhere in Scripture. So I want you to take those things. I pray that that's a blessing to you as you go throughout your week. Um, A couple of things to wrap up before we finish up our show. Next week's discussion topic is, What qualities should I look for in a Christian mentor? So you can get those into us early on our Facebook page, or you can call in during the show next week. We'd love to hear from you, and um, you can send in any questions that you've got. I want you to stay tuned for Drive Time. That's coming up. And uh, just remember, my friends, as you go throughout your week this week, as you're going through all of these things, remember, you can talk to God. He's willing to hear you, to converse with you. Remember, my friends, real faith is lived faith.